Good afternoon, folks, and welcome back to the Rob Mana Show Live. Uh, we've got a great show today. It's titled, The CIA is Owned by America's Primary Adversary. I can hear you, folks. Yeah, I know what you're saying. The colonel's finally gone completely and utterly mad, but hear me out, please. Let me introduce you to William Burns, the newly confirmed CIA director under the Biden administration. Just listen to this from our friends at the accountabilityinitiative.org. Quote, we find that Burns has connections to China and extreme leftist organizations all throughout his career. In this role, uh, you know, he's going to head this organization that's supposed to be confronting an increasingly active, aggressive Chinese spy apparatus. Unfortunately, Burns, like so many other Biden appointees, is also really quite possibly compromised by the Chinese Communist Party. We lovingly refer to them as the CCP. One wonders where American counterintelligence is. Nominees like Burns, who should, it would appear, have difficulty getting routine security clearances, are being approved by the Senate and placed into positions of really a lot of sensitivity without a word being uttered against them by anyone, even Republicans. Burns is uh, he comes to us as the former head of the uh, Carnegie Foundation Institute of Peace, uh, but the ties of that are extremely embedded uh, in with the Chinese, and everything that organization does is uh, appears to be part of a large worldwide and global Chinese influence operation, and they appear that's the Communist Party and the People's Liberation Army or the PLA, to have used organizations like this Foundation Institute of Peace to infiltrate all across the United States of America, not only in the government, but in corporations uh, far and wide, the university systems. And that is why it's critical that we call out people like our friend, Mr. Burns, who's already the confirmed CIA director. Well, my guest today is uh, Sam Faddis, a uh, retired CIA operations officer. He's an expert in the Central Intelligence Agency. He's an author, uh, and he is a member of the Committee on Present Danger China, as am I, in full transparency. Uh, and he is also running that website that I mentioned that has the details on William Burns in it. Sam, we do appreciate you coming back to the Rob Manus show and spending time with us. Uh, how are you, my friend? Doing very well. Thanks for having me here. Thank you. Well, I want to thank you for doing this critically important work uh, to call out uh, these types of individuals like William Burns, but I really want to jump right into it a lot of people don't think China is our adversary. Of course, I know a lot of Chinese people, Chinese Americans. I don't, they don't hate us. Uh, I think the Chinese population, uh, they just want to improve their life, right? The, the, the average uh, man and woman on the street. But it's the Communist Chinese Party and the People's Liberation Army's apparatus running the country uh, that I consider our adversary. Give the viewers your thoughts on why that is the truth. It's not Russia. It's not any of these other uh, organizations or threats out there. It's China is our primary adversary, isn't it? Yeah, and, and to, to just pick up on something that you were touching on, I mean, you know, to be clear, I, this should go without saying, but just these days, nothing goes without saying, I guess. When we talk about China and the Chinese, we're obviously not talking about blaming 1.4 billion Chinese. We're talking about the Chinese Communist Party and the apparatus it commands. I mean, nobody suffers more at the hands of the CCP, the Chinese Communist Party, than those 1.4 billion people who are effectively held hostage by a bunch of thugs. So, this is not a race thing. It's not an ethnicity thing. Right. The, the, the Chinese Communist Party uh, is an evil, totalitarian, thuggish entity, every bit as brutal as anything that, you know, Joseph Stalin ever commanded. 
and uh, unfortunately has a lot more money than Joseph Stalin ever had, a lot more technology, and we have allowed it to gain terrifying strength. So these guys have one objective, that's to become the dominant power on the planet. They don't seek peaceful coexistence, they seek domination. And unfortunately, because of plain old fashioned greed, we have done business with these guys for, you know, 30 plus years mm -hmm. in a way we never would have done with the Soviet Union, by the way. And we now have given them strength and capabilities that are really threatening our position as the preeminent power on the globe. We are long overdue to reassess this. We got a lot of work to do and we better move quickly if we're going to stop them from achieving their objectives. Oh, I 100% I agree. So, so let's step through a little bit of, of how we got to where we are today because the way I see it is the CCP and PLA have completely infiltrated not just the United States uh, and their institutions, but uh, almost all the Western democracies really uh, as we do it from the rules-based society that emerged out of World War II from a Western de uh, democratic perspective. Uh, how have they done this? And, and then my follow-up question, obviously, is going to be, uh, what do we do? Right. Well, I mean, to start with, we, we went down a road starting decades ago. By the way, everybody talks about how there no, there's no bipartisan consensus on anything anymore. Well, there sure as heck has been a bipartisan consensus on this ruinous Chinese China policy. For decades now, we have, you know, effectively shut down our manufacturing base, shipped it to the east coast of China, offshored our production, and climbed completely in bed with a brutal communist regime. That has made them, hasn't made the average Chinese person particularly wealthy, but it has made people at the top of this food chain, Amazon, mm -hmm. uh, in the U.S. fabulously wealthy. And it's made the Chinese Communist government fabulously wealthy. So we have handed them the monetary fiscal capacity to threaten us. The Chinese pursue, you know, on the question of sort of co-opting our people or, or influence, the mm -hmm. Chinese, this is, this is not a haphazard thing, I guess is what people need to understand. It's not like they sort of accidentally in fits and starts naturally have acquired a certain amount of um, access to our political and economic elite. I mean, that's not what's happening here. The Chinese have a very uh, large, very robust, very formalized structure uh, that functions within the, what they call the United Front. And this is a whole of government approach to co-opting the elites, to capturing the elites of target nations, we would obviously be target nation number one. So what that means is they are going to buy off, suborn, co-opt, in some cases formally recruit in an intel sense, uh, businessmen, politicians, congressmen, senior officials. And as part of that, they have created an entire web of institutes, if you will, or they, these institutes exist all over the United States now, mm -hmm. like the Carnegie Endowment for International Peace that William Burns was head of, that, that the average American probably thinks are dedicated to studying China in the sense of informing our policy, but mm -hmm. really don't, but that's not really what they do at all. They, they function on behalf of the Chinese government to spread Chinese propaganda to push Chinese talking points and to push whatever narrative the communist Chinese won't push. So in effect, they co-opt and buy an entire strata of our society, the most influential people. And those people are saying what they want them to say. And just as important, not saying things they don't want them to say. Well, let's take the, the Carnegie, uh, uh, Foundation for International yeah. Peace. Let's let's take that apart a little bit, Sam, for the viewers out there uh, as it relates to to William Burns, uh, the the current CIA director that was just just confirmed. Um, how did they do it? What are some what's some of the methodology 
for this to become part of a key part, really, the way I read uh, the research uh, of the Chinese influence operation it, within the United States. Uh, is it just funding or uh, do, they, do they recruit Americans to, to come into the Chinese uh, uh, orbit or do Americans actually recruit Chinese operatives to try to come into our orbit uh, which allows them to influence us. It, it's kind of, it's not uh, convoluted. It, and like you said, it's very uh, strategic and it's not haphazard. So they, their methodology uh, sure appears to be very systematic. Uh, so so how did they get Burns to help them? I mean, I mean he, Americans don't go out and say, oh, I'm going to help the, the main enemy of the United States uh, uh, do such and such on a, regular basis. So, so how did they get a guy like this uh, in, in this foundation to help them with their influence operation? Right. Well, uh, I mean, on some level, I would have to, I'd have to, I'd have to defer to, to Mr. Burns as to precisely what calculus he made that persuaded him that he should be cooperating with and assisting a foreign power, you know, um, mm -hmm. but yeah, uh, you said something in there where you said Americans don't go help a hostile foreign power. I'm paraphrasing, obviously. Yeah. You know, we wish to God that was true. And probably for you and I and most people viewing the program, that seems like common sense, right? I mean, mm -hmm. you wouldn't expect an American in 1980 to be cooperating with the Soviets unless he was, you know, a spy, unless he was unless he was part of the Walker spy ring or something getting paid. And we had a name for that, right? He's called a traitor. Um, right. Psychologically, we have for decades, we, all of us, but certainly the government and, and you know, the most powerful folks in terms of business in this nation have basically told the United States a lie. They've told Americans a lie for decades, which is that if we do business with the Chinese, they're going to liberalize, democratize. They're not really bad, scary communists like the old communists like the guys we fought in the Korean War, like the Soviets. They're kinder, they're gentler, they're warming up, they're becoming just like us. It's okay to deal with them, they're not really a threat. Okay, well, right. none of that is true. Uh, all of that made it more palatable to keep going down this road, which made some people fabulously wealthy. Didn't do much for the average American who used to have a factory job and now shops, shops at the dollar store, but uh, you know, they, a large part of the country really paid for this policy, but we, we've, we've fed them this lie. So right. pursuant to that lie, we have lowered the threshold and made it really, really easy uh, for people who were so inclined to sell out their country, which is what we're talking about. Mm -hmm. So in the case of Burns, I mean, you asked me about methodology. I mean, Every once in a while, we talk about a spy case. Eric Swalwell, the congressman seduced by the Chinese spy, Ling Ling, or whatever her name was, and she's sleeping with him. And this is great, sensational stuff. And we mm -hmm. act like that was significant that we uncovered this. By the way, nothing happened to Swalwell at all. No. But like that was a big deal. Okay, well, that's a big deal that a congressman mm -hmm. was running around with this Chinese spy who, by the way, was helping him raise money and doing all sorts of other things that would suggest that beyond sleeping with him, she was controlling his agenda. But the thing is, there's actually nothing unique about that, that, that we act like, okay, my, we caught this guy. Well, okay, congratulations. There are thousands and thousands of more people at various levels who have been either formally recruited or co-opted by by that, I mean, they don't necessarily formally work for Chinese intelligence, but they certainly do the bidding of Beijing and cooperate with them. And a lot of this is done, honestly, in the light of day. Like the press doesn't talk about it, so it seems like it's mysterious. But once you look at it, you're like, well, there's nothing mysterious here. So the Carnegie Endowment that we've been talking about that Burns ran yeah, as one piece of, this is just one element of their connection to the Chinese. They have an, a, an institute, a center in China that they run, and they run it in partnership with a Chinese university. So it's basically a center on the campus of this university, and the endowment is in, is in partnership with hmm. this Chinese university, Tsinhua. Okay, 
Xinhua is formally, first of all, it's Xi Jinping, the chairman of the Chinese Communist Party's alma mater. That ought to set the tone right there. I get uh, it. That, that university is part of what's called the Thousand Talents Program. The Thousand Talents Program is a Chinese intelligence program which recruits American scientists and steals American technology. That's, that's exactly what the Thousand Talents Program is. So these, this university is formally part of that. By the way, this university, this Chinese university, has also conducted cyber attacks on American targets and hacked into American targets. So you're talking about a university that's completely lock, stock, and barrel, part of the Chinese intelligence apparatus and directed at American targets. And the Carnegie Endowment is in formal partnership with this. And the Carnegie Endowment, just to hit this point again, not to be too redundant, the Carnegie Endowment goes into this partnership under the direction of William Burns, who is now your CIA director. So the guy that's going to run the intel apparatus is running the intel apparatus, mm -hmm. whose number one enemy is now Chinese intelligence, has been in bed with Chinese intelligence for years now. Right there, by the way, as you well know, if I admitted to that trying to get a secret security clearance for the most basic level job, mm -hmm. I couldn't get one. I'd be laughed out of the room as soon as I submitted that paperwork. That wouldn't even get to the poly. I wouldn't get anywhere. They'd say, I'm sorry. You get past the the, 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 I don't think your services are required. But yeah. this guy, and this is just one piece of it, this guy has now been confirmed by the Senate to be the head of the Central Intelligence Agency. This is, I think I said on air on another show the other day, madness, and I will stick with that at characterization. It is absolute madness, and uh, it looks like, uh, according to uh, the accountability website, that uh, Burns' organization received almost, maybe even up to almost a, almost a million dollars uh, over the years from them. Uh, and the money trail, you would think the money trail that uh, or counterintelligence organizations would be looking at RICO laws and uh, those kind of things to, to really evaluate personnel from a money trail perspective. I mean, that's pretty factual uh, and fact-based. Uh, uh, why do you think they're not doing that? I mean, Burns, he's running the CIA. Yeah, well, there's there's one of the many sixty thousand dollar questions, right? It's um, yeah. by the way, this whole business with funding coming from China and everything we're talking about here, you could kind of copy and paste and apply to virtually every other national security appointment of President Biden. So the Secretary of State just left a job running what's called the Biden Institute at the University of Pennsylvania. Um, it does exactly the same kind of stuff for the Chinese. And they took at least $22 million from the Chinese uh, that they, in violation of the law, didn't even bother to account for. In other words, they just took it anonymously and didn't tell anybody where it came from. When the Department of Education went after them recently, uh, well, back when President Trump was in the White House, went after them. Yeah. And saying, by the way, I don't know if you heard about this, but there's a law that you got to tell us where you got this money from. Their response was to fight the order. They don't want to tell the Department of Education who gave them the money in communist China. That, and that, you could go across Sam, the board. Yeah, Sam, th this is the same type of law that was used to, to charge a professor or two, I think one from MIT that failed yes. to report the connection through to about the Thousand Talents program. That's where folks may have heard of that. Is that... Is that correct? Yep, that's exactly right. Under the under the Trump administration, we began to try to enforce the rules and actually begin to prosecute some folks who clearly need to prosecute. Um, and then, of course, that uh, has all come to a screeching, screeching halt now. Yale is being investigated for, in ex I want to say, in excess of $300 million in Chinese money that they haven't accounted for. Uh, so back to your, you know, your question, where is counterintelligence? Really good question, right? I mean, we, we, I made reference before to John Walker and the spy ring back in the 80s working for the Russians 
inside the U.S. Navy, one of the most damaging cases in U.S. history. Okay. There have been other cases. My my old buddy, I say that uh, tongue-in-cheek, Rick Ames from CIA, who was working yeah. for the K KGB and betraying us. But we used to be looking at a situation where we were hunting for individual moles. And when we caught them, we thought, okay, well, we, we don't necessarily think we got them all, but that was a big step in the right direction. I'm not sure what you do when you look at an entire administration and you see, you know, Secretary of State, senior defense officials, CIA director, and we'd go into this in some detail at the accountability initiative all of whom appear to be compromised by the communist Chinese. I mean, when you send these guys off to talk to the Chinese and you wonder why they're not pushing back and why they're not taking a hard line, you know, my response is, why would you think they would? I mean, up until they all took positions with Joe Biden, they were all taking money directly from the Chinese Communist Party. How hard do you think they're going to push? When they leave the White House, they're going straight back to work for the Chinese. That's, I mean, they have all bet on the fact that we're a declining power and the Chinese are going to win. That's, that's the short answer. Now you mentioned Secretary Blinken. Uh, uh, I, I watched some of the exchange up in Alaska uh, with the Chinese, and, and uh, it sure looked to me like, uh, like he was uh, caught completely by surprise and was expecting a open arms uh, hug fest, basically. Mm -hmm. Uh, and the Chinese, being the thugs that they are, came in and just laid it out on the line, uh, didn't they? Well, you know, I th my interpretation, my opinion is, so Blinken assumes we're going to maintain a little bit of decorum here. We're going to maintain face, right? You're, I mean, you may have bought me, but you're going to allow me to retain my dignity in public, right? And the Chinese are kind of going at this as a, that's that you don't understand. We bought you. We you're bought and paid for. We own this administration. We have no intention of playing by your rules anymore. You'll do what you're told to do. That's mm -hmm. that's we you'll fall in line. Um, and I think that's that's true beyond blinking to to all of these guys, you know, uh, there this this United Front, by the way, I should add, you know, is not just a matter of influence in the sense of bending you to, to take certain make certain decisions on their behalf. It's also part of the, you know the propaganda machine, influence operations, and spreading messaging. So, which is incredibly powerful inside the United States. I mean, look at what happened with the coronavirus. If you look at the totality of the information in our possession, and which maybe was not known to the general public, but was known to people at the top when this all happened. The odds are overwhelming that this virus escaped from a lab in Wuhan. Yeah. Now, I'm not saying it's a biological weapon, and I'm not even saying that they necessarily engineered it. I'm saying that it was known that they were working with viruses of this particular type for particular reasons, conducting gain-of-function research. In fact, we know that we were partially funding that work, and the guys like Fauci were aware of that and providing the funding. So, so when Sam, this Sam, can you explain for the folks what gain of function research is? Because yeah. I don't think people really understand what you and I, when you and I hear that, we go, what? Yeah. <laughs> what does that yeah. mean so, exactly? So basically what gain of function research means is you take, in this case, a virus, a flu virus. And what you're attempting to do is you're attempting to anticipate how it's going to mutate. Yeah. Viruses mutate with astonishing rapidity. Most of those mutations, and they're, the, they're basically blind mutations. I mean, a virus doesn't think, right? It just mutates and changes. Right. Most of those mutations are either useless or in some cases counterproductive and the virus dies off. Um, in some cases, very much to the contrary, the virus becomes much more communicable and much more virulent and much more dangerous. And it happens literally in a moment. So the idea with gain-of-function research is you sort of anticipate the ways in which a virus might mutate by, by speeding this process up effectively in the lab. Mm -hmm. And that allows you to say, okay, we can now prepare the medication or the vaccine before it does this in the wild. And when it does mutate, we will be ready. We won't be running behind. We will be ahead of the curve and save lives. 
it's one of those things that sounds theoretically, I suppose, uh, viable. Mm -hmm. The downside is obvious to anybody with a lick of common sense. You are making the virus more dangerous. If the virus gets loose, it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. You're now responsible for making it more dangerous and killing people. And obviously, yeah, I, heard, I heard some experts saying that there's only one purpose for doing gain of function research, and that's for biological warfare. Well, and, uh, and of course, that, that's the other side to it, which is everything I've said so far is assuming that your motives are pure. Right. But people play with biological organisms for reasons that are not pure. So you could just as easily be doing all of this to develop a biological weapon. For all these reasons, by the way, the CDC said back circa 2015, we weren't doing gain-of-function research anymore and no U.S. funding would go to support it. Mm. Mysteriously thereafter, the National Institute of Health, Dr. Fauci, continued to send money to the Chinese lab in Wuhan to conduct this research, this gain-of-function research. This is not conspiracy theory, by the way. This is all established fact. Um, and somehow just made sure that that money was never flagged to the attention of CDC. And so that funding stream was not cut off. So in any event, we knew, Fauci knew, folks at the top of the healthcare apparatus in the US knew, Wuhan is working with bat organisms found in bats that are known to be communicable to humans, which have all these characteristics that make them particularly dangerous. They're doing gain-of-function research. By the way, we also knew that the lab had been, the Department of State, for the love of God, had issued reporting. This sticks in my throat as an old CIA guy having to cite Department of State reporting. But, you know, <laughs> thank God they were doing their job. They wrote up multiple messages saying lab practices at the Wuhan lab are a disaster. And in fact, they specifically said we could have a pandemic that originates in this lab because of organisms getting out. So all this kind of stuff was known when the pandemic started. Based on that, the first theory, the first common sense theory has to be, we're looking at something that came out of that lab because this is exactly what they've been messing with and working with. The communist Chinese didn't want that message. They didn't want a message that said that their message was it came out of a seafood market, which for a whole bunch of reasons, by the way, is nonsensical. But in any event, they broadcast that message. Now, how fast did every media outlet in the United States virtually parrot that message? I mean, that's how effective these influence operations are in the United Front. That's not an accident. That's not a coincidence. That's Chinese propaganda the next thing you know, I experience this myself in my writing. I'm banned from Twitter. I'm thrown off of Facebook. I've got content deleted out of YouTube, and it's happening all around me. Why? Because I won't tow the Chinese Communist Party line inside the United States. I'm laughing. It's not funny because it's yeah. so absurd. That's how effective these guys are. Uh, I'm laughing too because my revenues uh, for my small business, my little publishing, digital publishing business, I've been dropped by 95% by things like Facebook and all that, that it's partially because I will tell the truth and, and I give my opinion, my professional opinion, and uh, uh, I get accused of being a purveyor of false news and defamed like that. So I hear you. I hear you, man. So I got one question from the from the viewers, uh, Sam, and that is uh, uh, this. Are the super sap programs co-opted as well uh, because of this uh, influence? I, I hate to use the word infiltration because, I mean, Burns is the top of the CIA and all these other people are appointed and, and confirmed by the United States Senate. So, uh, but they really are infiltrators if they're, if they're doing things to help the Chinese Communist Party at the expense of the American people. Uh, so are our SAP programs co-opted as well? If you can comment you know, on that. At this point, it, it would be really hard to put your arms around the extent of the compromise, wouldn't it? I mean, if you're the director of the, if you're the director of the Central Intelligence Agency, uh, you may or may not physically look at message traffic or the details of what I'll call compartmented operations. 
mm-hmm. you know, restricted operations with restricted handling every day. Because, well, to begin with, because that would be information overload and there's no capacity to do that. But you certainly have the authority, should you want to, to look at effectively everything. I mean, there's nobody within the organization and precious few people anywhere in the IC that are going to tell you you don't have authorization access to look at anything. So... Where are you gonna Where are you gonna find some place that you can seal off that can't be seen collectively by the folks that we're talking about? And this is as, as we're pointing out, just at the top tier. Who knows how many more folks there are compromised like this through the whole apparatus? Yeah, I was going to mention that uh, as I always do. If you are working in the IC or the United States government, for that matter, folks, uh, and you need to get some information out, uh, you can contact me on my secure email at rlmaness at proton uh, protonmail uh, dot com, and I will take that and keep you as anonymous as I can and help uh, you do any other type of whistleblowing functions because it's extremely important that if we do see anti-American efforts from within our own government, that those get reported out. And we know the leftists believe that because they, they reported out on whistleblowers uh, everything they could think of, even stuff that they made up uh, against Mr. Trump in the last administration. So, uh, so folks, if you are out there, you're a loyal American and uh, you want to get the information out, uh, feel free to, contact me and I will help you with that process if I can, or at least point you in the right direction. The, uh, Sam, the, uh, I got another question here about Mr. Obama. Did he, did he take money from China? I mean, it's illegal according to our election laws for a candidate uh, to take money from a foreign entity, government or private, right? Yeah, well, I'm unaware of Obama directly taking any cash. Unaware, I always say the absence of intelligence is not intelligence, right? You ask somebody on September 11th, is there going to be a terrorist on September 10th? Will Al-Qaeda attack New York tomorrow? The answer would have been no. Well, it would have been, we have no indications. That's true. That didn't equal, there's not an attack coming. That equaled our access wasn't very good. So I, I don't have that information. That doesn't mean it didn't happen. What I do know is this, and you know, Obama said, always says that his, his administration was devoid of, of, uh, of compromise and corruption. And that manifestly is a lie. I mean, you can't get to past his vice president and his wonderful son, Hunter Biden, and the hundreds of millions and literally billions of dollars they took from the thugs of the universe you don't have to go any further than that to know that they were up to their eyeballs in corruption. That's mind boggling, right? I mean, yeah. you think about Joe, Joe in 2013, the Chinese were engaged in an Island building operation in the South China sea, which has continued and expanded since they were essentially seizing control of a big chunk of the Pacific ocean by building artificial land masses. Joe Biden's point man for Obama formally, he's his guy in China. His number one job is stop Chinese expansionism. That's his charge, allegedly. He flies to Beijing. He's got his son, Hunter, in the plane. They land in Air Force Two. Joe goes off to meet Chinese communist leadership. Hunter goes off. The Chinese give him $1 billion from the State Bank of China. They later upped it to 1.5. Hunter and Joe jump back on a plane, fly back to the United States. Strangely enough, Joe never lifts a finger to stop the Chinese from building islands in the South China Sea, never pushes back. In fact, there have been numerous reports that anytime Obama began to smell like he was going to push back, Joe was the guy who talked him out of it, which kind of fits with the fact that, you know, he didn't want to kill bin Laden either. Right. Um, that smells to me like, uh, like that might be corruption, $1.5 billion, and you look the other way while we take the entire South China Sea. It's never it certainly been any looks like corruption. That either. It certainly looks like corruption. Here, here's another question from the audience, and that is, uh, you're a longtime CIA officer. Uh, I, I mean, regular folks are just asking, what, is it, what the heck is it gonna take 
to, for these people that we know the, tra the, the facts are out there and uh, the fact patterns are even out there that shows that they're, they're corrupt, at, at a minimum corrupt, uh, and at a maximum, maybe even be uh, assets for the Chinese Communist Party and its intelligence apparatus. Uh, I mean, what is it going to take for accountability to happen, Sam? Yeah, it's a really, really, really good question, isn't it? I mean, I think mm -hmm. that we, when Donald Trump was in the White House, who I have, I make no pretense that the man is perfect more any more than anybody else is. I think we began to see glimmers of the possibility that we would begin to, uh, you know, we might actually see some accountability. I mean, for until as long as this administration's in place, that that's not going to happen. Everything is, is sealed off. Can we come back to that in 2024? Maybe. Um, another element of this, you know, I would say I, I'm one of these guys that anytime you ask me about the agency or the FBI, I'm always very careful to say that the rank and file, the average folks are very good, decent, hardworking, patriotic Americans and that their leadership has really betrayed them. But I, I will say this, I will add this. At some point, I think it, it, you, you, have to, you have to expect that, for instance, the average FBI agent, some point it is incumbent upon them to stand up and say, you know, I won't do that. Yeah. Or, or no, I won't turn off that investigation. No, I'm not going to go raid the house of this guy who's a political opponent of the president for purely political purposes because it's unethical and contrary to my oath. And no, I won't back off in this investigation because it might reveal that Hunter Biden works for Chinese intelligence. I'm not doing that. Uh, you know, I, I think that's kind of where we are as a country. Individual Americans have to make that increasingly make those decisions for themselves. Well, yeah, that, that leads me to one of my questions I had for you is you mentioned the rank and file of the FBI and the CIA. And, I, and I'm, I'm with you being somebody that's been in, in the government service for over three decades myself on the DOD side and done some intel uh, supervision and work and, and obviously a user uh, of intel. Uh, the, uh, where are they, man? Uh, where are those rank and file people? Because not every office say the, you know, like the, uh, Southern district of New York, uh, not every office can be completely manned, uh, by 100% leftists that are pro, uh, no. administration. So where are they? Yeah, well, I, I think that's, that's, that's a fundamental question we're all asking, right? I mean, to shift from China for a moment. Um, we've been watching cities burn for a year. That's not peaceful protest. It's not spontaneous. It's not done without organization. Um, how, how is that possible inside the United States of America with the Federal Bureau of Investigation and all the other law enforcement resources that you can have an apparatus that exists for a year, inside existed much longer, but is operational, if you will, for a year. And you can't find the people who organize this, who move the money, who who produce this. That's ridiculous. That's absurd. That's that's counterintelligence work 101. That ought to be an easy day. You ought to be able to go rip this whole thing out by the roots in a matter of months at the most and lock these people up and shut it down. Well, why is it not happening? Because nobody's actually trying to do it. Nobody is pursuing sources inside Antifa or BLM or any of these other groups. That's a political decision. And this is what I mean by, you know, at some point you have to say not only the average, you know, the F FBI special agents have to say not just I won't do that because that's illegal, but mm -hmm. no, I'm not going to ignore this target. You know, I swore an oath and these guys are burning American yeah. cities and we're going after them. Yeah, and I, I'm of the personal belief, uh, educated guess, that there may be some foreign influence in, in that organization, too, because yeah. logistically and, and funding-wise, it's just, it's just too, it's too good uh, for it to just be some ad hoc uh, bunch of donors right. throwing stuff in and some kids uh, putting stuff together. It's just, it's too good. It's too organized. Uh, right. So I think, it, I think it bears looking at, but... Uh, you know, and, there, and speaking of the rank and file, I'm sure uh, we know there was a confidential informant 
in uh, in Antifa out in Portland. Uh, they got she got outed, uh, or he right. got outed uh, fairly quickly. But so so there are at least some agents out there that are trying to do the right thing and go after yeah. these organizations because Antifa is a terror a domestic terrorist organization. Look, you, no you know Antifa. In terms of the rank and file, I mean, behind all of this are some folks that have been basically Marxists for decades in organizing in this country. But the rank and file in Antifa is, you know, a bunch of 25-year-old liberal arts majors from Reed College or Willamette or something. I mean, please, yeah. you ought to have in Portland a dozen sources inside Antifa talking right. to you. And that ought to be true in every other major city in the country. They shouldn't be able to to have a, a meeting about anything um, without you knowing. I mean, I've operated places yeah. abroad where there were Al-Qaeda cells faster than the Al-Qaeda cells could disseminate information internally. We would have the intel reports in Washington, D.C. on the results of their last meeting. That's what it looks like if you're doing a job right. Mm -hmm. The Bureau certainly knows how to do this. They tore the mafia apart. They beat yeah. the heck out of the KKK. They They've been down this road. They understand how to do this. This is a political decision. This is a hands-off, stay-away decision, um, and that's not acceptable. I mean, when law enforcement is is ignoring the law for political considerations, we got a big problem. I have one more question uh, for you from the audience on this. Uh, what are your thoughts on this Bar Durham? Uh, the question, the, the questioner, uh, Spence uh, called the treachery of the Bar Durham investigation. But uh, I've seen some things, you know, recently that show that Durham is actually, he's active, uh, you know, in the in Justice Department filings and those kind of things. What are your thoughts? And, and do you think there was some Chinese influence op going on on the whole Russiagate thing as part of a side question to that, since Durham's supposed to be investigating the Russiagate origins? Well, I, I'm one of these people that for a long time held out some significant hope that Durham was going to be the guy who was going to get to the bottom of things and name names and just follow the evidence. Um, I don't pretend to have any special access inside his investigation. What's my gut tell me? My gut tells me at this stage it will all end with a whimper mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, there will be virtually nothing that comes out of it and no, I'm not okay with that. No, I don't say that. Like, I don't think it's a big deal. I just say that because I think that's that's where we are. Um, I don't know whether there was Chinese influence in the the whole Russiagate thing or not. I, I think it is, I, I do believe that it was a coup attempt against a sitting president. I do believe it was an organized, deliberate effort to push false information. And I think that there are a number of individuals, including the former head of the CIA, John Brennan, who should be criminally prosecuted for their part in that. Do I have any great hope right now, as I sit here today, that we're ever going to see that? I don't, because uh, I, I, I think we it, it has been too long. And I don't think that there's there's no there's no practical reason why it would take this length of time to get to the bottom of this. There's not some magic reason why this should have to drag on for years. If you were going to get to the bottom of it and prosecute it, you would have done it a while ago. Yeah, I think uh, I think you're right on that. Uh, it's going to end up with some report that'll be a, a, a mild whimper. Even worse than the Mueller report, uh, mm -hmm. in my opinion, uh, was for the Democrats. Uh, the uh, uh, so, so let's get back to the United Front, and uh, and in that context that we just talked about with the potential for influence, uh, you know, maybe even on this whole RussiaGate thing from some uh, 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 from somewhere, uh, you know, they're they're so embedded in our society and our institutions. Uh, the Chinese Communist Party through the United Front and, and American organizations and companies. How do how do we how do we not know uh, what their influence is everywhere? I mean, we have we have fantastic uh, surveillance uh, uh, collection capabilities uh, and storage of data capabilities and artificial intelligence. I mean, I mean, my gosh, somebody that went through an airport 
to get to Washington, D.C. on January 4th or 5th and stayed through the president's speech and then goes back to the airport, never went to the Capitol, uh, gets hit on a no-fly thing from facial recognition or say, cell right. phone track, uh, either one. Uh, uh, both of those, I think, I've heard, I've been told about anecdotally happening to uh, Americans. Uh, right. So uh, I think I think regular folks are out there going, what the hell is going on? We know they're here. We know they're operating. We know we've got the head of the CIA that uh, looks like he's co-opted. Uh, uh, why aren't our capabilities able to scoop all this up and make some sense of it to figure out? who the good guys are and the bad guys. Yeah, are. well, those are all great questions. And to the extent they basically boil down to there's no excuse for any of this. Uh, you know, I agree. There is no excuse for any of this. Um, politics, uh, money, people at the top who honestly don't want to rock this boat. Um, look at <laughs> look at what's been going on during the lockdown, man. The average American is hanging on by his fingernails in the state of Pennsylvania where I live, a third of small businesses shuttered in one way or the other. Then take a look at the profits for Google, Amazon, everybody else at the top of this food chain. Yeah. Record, not just doing okay, record. They have, they have gotten rich off of all of this. And that's the story of the last 30 years. You know, factory towns dry up and blow away. People are desperately trying to find jobs. You got robber barons at the top of this who are rolling in cash and who don't really think of themselves as Americans anymore, who are more in bed with the Chinese than they are with their own with their own citizens. Um, and we have also just flat out let, I think, particularly our human intelligence capabilities atrophy. You know, we're all enamored with spy satellites and tech and all kinds of stuff. There's always stuff that only a spy is going to tell you, only a human source is going to tell you. And it's and um, we have let those capabilities atrophy. I was talking about the Wuhan lab earlier, this whole question of where did the virus come from, exactly what's going on. Please, the Wuhan lab is one, is one of the top labs in the China in China. It is one of the locations at which we effectively know they are conducting biological weapons work. Right. Biological weapons work in the intelligence community is a top tier collection requirement, right? You have lists of requirements you're supposed to service and they're done by priority. Nothing on earth is, I mean, it, it is on a par with any other top tier target, very top tier. So nothing in terms of the Chinese target trumps really collecting on their biological weapons work inside the Wuhan lab. Wow. It's a year, more like a year and a half since this pandemic started. We're still trying to figure out where this thing came from. How is that possible? If this is a top tier target, we should have had this thing wired 60 ways from Sunday. We should have been in their computer systems, on their comms, multiple sources inside the lab. They shouldn't have been able to play with a Petri dish in the Wuhan lab without it being reported back to CIA headquarters. Yet effectively, what you can tell from the mystery is we didn't know anything about what was going on. It's, that's why State Department reporting mm. is, is cited, because apparently it was better than what the CIA was telling us. So, just, just for folks' uh, clarification, if, if you're having to accept State Department reporting, uh, that's about on par with uh, CNN, quite frankly. In my, that's my yeah. opinion. <laughs> you know, slightly uh, look, uh, look, I mean, obviously there are rivalries between the agency and the Department of State and, you know, and mm -hmm. with with all candor, the Department of State does some superbly good work at what they're what they're responsible for. Yeah, um, they shouldn't be your top tier intel collectors. If I got a, if I got a scoop given to me by a Department of State guy, uh, that's a slap in my face. If he's telling me something I didn't already know. So the fact that there are cutting edge collection on this lab means that the agency is flat on its butt when it comes to doing that is what it tells you. And um, well, I mean, with that, that's, that's true across the globe. I mean, that's what happens when you have a bureaucracy that gets politicized and the people in charge are not spies. The people in charge are folks who, uh, 
who are politicians and curry favor with the with folks in D.C. They spend more time on on what's going on in our capital city than they do in foreign capitals. Sam, you mentioned John Brennan earlier, the former CIA director that I think is just that my personal opinion is that he, he is a scumbag. Uh, but wasn't he a very high-ranking CIA official when the, our human intelligence network inside China was devastated uh, or decimated and we lost most of it? Yeah, that's true. And to what extent, you know, look, I, I, I would be happy to accuse John, <laughs> on some level, accuse John Brennan of anything. I say that obviously facetiously. Yeah. I, there's no love lost between us and I. And I already said that I think he should be prosecuted for his part in Russia. Whether he's personally responsible or that's attributable to him, I don't have any idea. I, I suspect that it goes back to what happens when you start appointing people to senior levels based not on their accomplishments in the field and their professionalism, but based on politics. Yeah. So pretty soon you have people making decisions about how we're going to communicate with assets inside communist China who don't have any idea what they're doing. They've never done it. You know, functional equivalent of putting me in charge of, I don't know, some military unit where I have zero background and then wondering why everything is screwed up the next day because it's completely outside my area of expertise and I never should have been given that position. So I, oh, you're I, just, I, yeah, you're just describing the same thing that happens in the Department of Defense. We have political military, or political generals and admirals uh, that that's how they make their rank, you know, and usually things get really messed up uh, if they're in charge. What, what, or, what or happens? What happens specifically with communications and CIA with assets? And I'm going to dance around this for obvious reasons mm -hmm. because we're getting close to talking sources and methods is you have a very, very difficult operating environment. I'm communicating with a guy in some impersonal fashion. So he's got a piece of tech gear and that's how I talk to him and, and we communicate because I can't go out and talk to this guy in the street in this environment. Maybe it's secure. I got 40 such guys in China. You want to cut corners, you hand all 40 of them the same piece of tech gear. And it works until they compromise one guy. Right. And now, as soon as they compromise one guy, they have a template for exactly what they're looking for. You know exactly what how we're communicating. And so you go from one guy arrested to 40 guys arrested in the space of about 24 hours because they know what communications channel to be on because they know something. Yeah, that's my that's what happens when you don't know what you're doing. You take a shortcut and you're not a professional a professional would tell you. If you got 40 assets, you communicate with every one of them using a unique set of procedures that applies to nobody else. So if right. you lose one guy, that's all you lose. One guy in that one compartment, it takes them no place. That takes longer, but it keeps people alive. And you don't do that unless you know what you're doing. And again, you know, we live in an age where increasingly we choose who's in charge of these agencies based on their political affiliations, not based on the fact that they actually learned how to do the job. Yeah, it's unfor unfortunate. You know, uh, what you're describing really is a, is a trade crap is the foundation of the, that type of decision making. And that only comes from operators. What, what right. I call operators, just like in the Air Force, you have operators that fly airplanes right. and kill the, you know, find the enemy and kill them uh, for a living. And, uh, and then you have everybody else. Uh, so it's tough to have a non-operator making those kind of decisions uh in any environment and i think that's what you're describing uh is happening uh so two more questions sam before we let you go uh first one is probably easy all right do you think burns is a is an actual ccp asset or is he just some useful idiot well, so when when you when you ask me a question like that as a CIA guy, asset is a term of art. Our asset means I formally recruited you or you recruited me and I'm taking cash typically and I have formally agreed to work with your intelligence agency and you meet me clandestinely and yada yada all this other stuff. It's That's my a term question. of art. That's my question. Okay. So, do I think that is the case with Burns? No. 
do I, uh, but it could be, uh, do I think that he long ago crossed lines philosophically, took money, made compromises, and is owned in a more informal sense by the Chinese communists, without question. Uh, he, he and the, uh, a number of the other guys at the top of this administration, they made their bet. They have bet that China is the rising power. They have taken money from them. They have thrown in with them. They believe intellectually that we are in decline. And they have bet on, look, I'm a history buff, man. When Constantinople fell in 1453, to go all nerd on you, uh -huh. as the Muslims were overtaking the last of the Roman Empire, there were Christians who were operating the cannons that knocked down the walls of this Christian city to let the Turkish Muslims take it over. Why? Because they said, we're pitching in with these guys. They're the winning side. We're taking their cash. We're going to come out on top. We'd rather be rich in their world than fight for ours. I think that encapsulates where these people are. Burns, do I think he's secretly meeting somebody in a you know safe house at night? No. Do I think he's working for the Chinese in a broader sense? Absolutely, yes. I think that's a perfect analogy from a historical perspective, Sam. Uh, I wish I was a historian other than an amateur, or I would have known that uh, because, I mean, you, you, you hit the point right on the nail, uh, right on the head there. Okay, last question. Uh, this is uh, just, just let go on this one, man. I saw the recruiting ad for the Central Intelligence Agency uh, yesterday, and I'm like, I wasn't going to ask Sam Fattis about this because he's a professional. We're talking about the CIA director in China and all that, but you got to let it go and tell me what the hell is going on with woke CIA, and what did you think of that ad? Yeah, well, actually, to be completely blunt, I was hoping you would ask me that question because it's been gnawing at me ever since... I saw it. I mean, I uh, I laughed a little bit. I cried a little bit. Uh, it cemented in my head everything that I already knew was going on. I mean, you know, some lady who's apparently completely enamored of herself and thinks the most important things about herself are her ethnicity and whether she's got kids and her particular sexual persuasion. And I'm, you know, and all I, I, I think I tweeted this. I said, I, I, there's the only question you didn't answer is the only one that matters. Can you do your job? Which is all I care about. I mean, I'm sitting in my office right now. I got a picture of my team in Iraq on a piece of furniture a few feet away. You know, if there's, Asian guys, black guys, white guys, Hispanic guys, men, women, whatever. Um, I, I look at that picture. I don't see any of that stuff. I just see a bunch of Americans, patriots downrange, doing what people do downrange, which is serving their country. And, you know, on a, on a more fundamental level, what this tells you is we were just talking about how the agency's not getting the job done, how we don't have sources inside Wuhan. We're not crawling into the belly of the beast. Well, this is another piece of why, right? Because you're more concerned with this kind of silliness. I mean, I really don't care. I don't care about where your family came from, who you sleep with, any of this other stuff, you know, your religion. I just need to know, like, are you here to do your job and do you know how to do your job? And now can we get at it and can we get the work done and keep Americans safe in their beds tonight? And that's all I need to know and that's all anybody should care about. But my I'm God, so we're lost silliness now. I'm so glad you said it just that way. You know, uh, uh, I don't know if you saw the tweet from the U.S. Navy about the the all LGBTQ flight crew uh, the other day that was just before the the woke CIA recruiting video, and, and, and my response tweet was simple. It was just like you, Sam. You know, all I care about is can you do your dang job. Uh, I don't care what color you are. I don't care what decisions you make uh, about your sex life. I don't, I don't care. Can you do yes. your job? And that is the question that all of us in DOD have always asked. We don't care. We don't care right. except for do your job and do it well and fight for the United States of America so we can win the day for freedom. You know, 
so I appreciate your candid answer to that. I'm glad that I asked you the question. And folks, uh, Sam and I may be joking a little bit, but this is a very serious question. Uh, it's a serious issue facing the entire United States, uh, not just the government, but the people of the United States. Do we want a country where uh, what we care about is freedom and liberty uh, and doing the right thing? Or do we want a country where these little little groups uh, uh, and somebody that we don't even know is trying to make us all mad at each other? Uh, I think yeah, you'll find I, that I, professionals. I, go ahead. I, well, I tell you, I mean, when I'm out speaking, you know, in a more political context, the way I always put this is, when because people are sort of asking like how do you respond to this and my response is you just refuse to accept this i mean the the answer is just stop you want me to go to my white fragility training today no i'm not going to my why white people are bad training yeah. i am picking up the phone i'm calling my lawyer i'm going to inquire about suing you because i'm pretty sure this is illegal i also suspect it's a violation of a bunch of criminal statutes so i'm going to look into that but no i'm not going to do that and when you come back and talk to my black coworker tomorrow about some nonsensical training he has to go to based on where his ancestors came from, my advice to him is going to be exactly the same. Drop dead, tell him to drop dead. And, and, you know, my office mate who's a gay female or whatever your basis is, forget it. You stop doing it. Stop tribalizing us. Stop trying to break us up. We're all Americans. We don't care about any of your nonsense and we won't accept it anymore. We're not going down this road. That's right. Uh, we may have to run some people off the road, off of that road, but I'm not going down that road. I'm going to always stand up uh, against it. I'm glad you, you do, Sam. And, and it, it, for y'all out in the audience there, uh, you know, this is what professionals do, but it's also what, you know, folks like us uh, that are Americans have always thought, you know, I don't care. Uh, what I care about is that you're a fellow American and I want to make sure that you have the same chances that I do, uh, that right. you're safe, uh, that I'm safe, uh, that at the end of the day, we can sit down to dinner with each other's families and, and thank God that we're part of such a great country. Uh, and I think you agree with me, Sam. Well, Sam, thank you very much for joining us today. We appreciate it. How can folks find you on social media, what, what there is left of it? So the easiest way to find me is go to the online magazine that my wife and I run, which is called andmagazine.com, A-N-D-magazine.com. If you go to and Magazine, all of our content, whether it's video, written, every, everything links out of there. One-stop shop. That'll take you to our social media on Facebook, Twitter, Parler, Gab, Cloud Hub, every place else. We... We got to we got to we got to keep it covered because we're getting thrown off at least one or two every week for some reason or another. Telling the truth is the reason we get thrown off. That's the I'm with you there, folks. I, I I can't tell you enough. Go to nmagazine.com because I read it. Uh, occasionally, I, I I request to publish uh, uh, some of their stuff because it's very very high quality. Uh, and when I'm not doing uh, that, I'm running robmanus.com, so you can go there and just subscribe directly to that webpage. That way you don't have to worry about what social media channel I'm on, and that's where you can find all of my stuff too. Sam, thank you very much. My best to your family. Thank you for your service thank you. to this great nation and your continued service. Uh, and uh, we'll be in touch once we get this uh, show published uh, out on the web and those kind of things later in the week. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that was uh, retired CIA officer Sam Faddis, uh, a great American uh, who knows much more than I will ever know about the intelligence service and, and what goes on in that uh, organization uh, and, and expressed some uh, pretty big concerns today. Uh, but one of the questions that I didn't address during the show was, well, are you saying that nothing can be done? And no. We are not saying that nothing can be done. What we are saying is, listen to us. Don't listen to the fake news, propaganda, corporate media. Don't use, listen to the political parties. Listen to folks like Sam Faddis uh, and Rob Manus. Subscribe to our channels. Don't listen to Facebook when they tell you that I pass fake news. That's what they do every day. Uh, 
because I don't. And if we find something incorrect, we correct it or take it down. Uh, and, and Sam does the same thing at and.com. Uh, so check it out. Uh, but no, we will figure this out. We are figuring it out. The fact that we could have a show like this tells you that we can do something and we are doing something. And what you can do is get on the phone, call and write your congressman, call and write everybody that is an elected official for you uh, from the county level, the city level, all the way up and let them know you're concerned about this and that you want America's relationship with China to be one of respect but we're not going to take their crap. They are not in charge of the world and we don't want to be in charge of the world. We just want freedom to be there for everybody. But especially we insist on freedom for uh, citizens of the United States of America. So that's it for this week. Uh, I'll see you next week. Same time, uh, same channels uh, right here on the Rob Manus show. Thank you so much for joining us today, folks.